0: Hello and welcome back to Curiously Polar, the show about all things very north and very south. And uh, in case you wondered that over the last weeks, we didn't really address the big elephant in the room, which is the the thing, right, that everyone is affected by. Of course, we're talking about the coronavirus. Um, that is because we had a lot of shows pre-produced because Henry was somewhere in the Antarctic on a ship. So, uh, But he's back. So hello, Henry. <laughs> Hello, Chris. How are you? <laughs> Doing good. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think if, I know everyone's fed up with podcasts talking about corona, about COVID nineteen. But I think there's no way we cannot address this in this episode. Uh, we'll try to keep the following episodes as corona-free as possible. Because, <laughs> I yeah, you get you get the news left and right everywhere.
1: That's true. full of corona talk. So um, but but still, I mean the, the polar it affects regions, everybody's daily life, so it's kind of very yes. urgent and very very important to to tackle it on yes. also to um, paint the picture how it looks in the in the polar regions regarding um, those effects because we are in a quite quite um, luxurious position in Central Europe, North America, or wherever um, our listeners are. But it looks probably a bit different in uh, more sparsely populated places. Yes, yes, yes.
0: So, uh, yeah, that's that's. I, I think I, I have not heard anyone talk about that in the context of the polar regions. Um, before we go into that, I would like to um, to let you know about something, and it is corona related um you and i we both um at least get a part of my income you more than i through travel um <laughs> Indeed, yeah. you are a guide. that's what you live off that's uh, your income that's your livelihood and of course for the foreseeable future you will not be able to do your job i will not be able to do that part of my job so um we're both looking at uh, tough times ahead <laughs> so um the yeah, indeed. and and it's a general thing i mean small businesses you know that you, you you do know that a lot of like restaurants that you used to go to will probably not exist after this there's um bankruptcies left and right um and uh, we have running costs for the servers for the, like the all all the infrastructure of course we have to pay rent um we have to get food on the table so um that's why we are asking for support that's uh and as, it's not easy to ask that but i think um we it both definitely it's
1: <laughs> yeah especially um we we don't know um your situation and um we have no idea um, how much oh, it affects a lot of the listeners will
0: be affected the same way? So exactly, it's yeah,
1: yeah. So um, asking for for support is, uh, is a big thing for us, especially because that's um, yeah, a child out of curiosity, and um, yeah, we just like to um, you know, no matter how you folks decide, we're uh, keeping on with this project anyhow. It's um, something we really enjoy and really like to do. But, um, every hump that, that, um, comes in counts, of course, it makes a big difference. Yes. Yeah. So, so the show will go
0: on. We'll do this. And if it's the last thing we do, but, um, <laughs> it's so much fun to do. So, uh, if, if you can support us in some way, then we're more than happy to take that. If you can't, because you're, you're, uh, in dire straits yourself, then that is fine too. That is totally okay. Don't feel guilty. Um, but um, to, to to make it easy, what we've done is we've set up an, a euro account that will accept euro uh, SEPA transfers. So if you are in the eurozone, it's super easy. Just make a, 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 a normal money transfer with your online banking as you would do. It's a it's a it's a bank in the Netherlands called Bunk B U N K um which allows us to do this um set up an account for this so we have a separate account for the uh curiously polar donations um if you're not in the eurozone and if you are not if you don't use euros and you don't have a way to make sepa transfers no problem because behind that is also a possibility to use a credit card so this uh is pretty much open to anyone who feels like Uh, They want to help us. So thank you very much if you do that. And if not, again, don't feel guilty because um, I know that a lot of you are in the same boat right now. That out of the way, let's look at COVID-19 and the polar regions. You've just returned from the Antarctic. We're recording this on the 2nd of April 2020 just to plant this in time because... (laughs) Things things are changing so quickly right now that um, this is kind of kind of important um, to have a date stamp here. So second of April twenty twenty, uh, you've returned a couple of weeks ago, and you have been on a ship. How did the information flow to you? Because I, I remember I returned from Ethiopia. We had to cut a photo tour short, and I returned on the seventeenth of March um did you have to cut anything short did you have any changes in plans did you even know that uh corona thing was a thing
1: yeah um, i mean corona was a thing from uh, on on the ships from from december onwards, so it affected pretty much every journey from somewhere in the middle of december and um we started doing passport checks for um, travelers from uh, certain areas in the world where, which were yeah, designated corona hotspots um, to eliminate that at least. Um, we've done some um, yeah, certifications for, for uh, travelers where you have to, to get, get yourself information uh, about your travels and um, your your health status and that kind of stuff. Um, so the effect we're there from somewhere in December, they have been eradicated. Um, they they get stronger and stronger um, every two three weeks. So every time we get back into port, we had new measures. Um, the companies came up with, and you have to to think about those um, expedition cruise ships they are usually not owned by the tour operator which hires me as as a guide. They are um, usually owned by someone else. So the, the management company who runs those ships, they have their own um, uh, setup, they have their own scheme they put into place in, in case of um, health issues. Then the company is having their own health issues. The country has their own health issues. The region of uh, Tierra del Fuego, uh, where Australia, the, the port is uh, located in has their own regulations. And all of that came together. And that was a very, very fluid, or still is a very fluid um, situation. So it's changing minutely. And um, we figured that out um, when I left the, the scene. It literally changed minutely. So we were allowed to leave the ship and we were sitting in the in a minivan um, transferred to the airport and got stuck on the pier in front of the ship for an hour, waiting for the Coast Guard and the police to escort us to the airport, not being allowed to leave the town or the car in the town. And um, we were just in limbo. We were not even allowed to go back on a ship to wait there. We were not allowed to um, you know, leave the van. It was really um, uh, interesting situation um we were in felt a little bit like um being the president of something being escorted by police and uh (laughs) coast guard with flashing lights to the airport and people on the on the street just taking pictures of the convoy but um eventually that was one of the uh, facts we we knew everything was in limbo um tours have been cut short so the, the last trip i was on was cut short for a day we just decided to return um to so earlier one day earlier than um, originally planned because um, i'm not sure if that was the government of uh, tierra del fuego or argentina just um, announced to um reduce flights to certain areas on certain countries and we we just wanted to make or to give the passengers on board of the ship a chance to make it out of Argentina in time mm-hmm. and um, we, we that- had a
0: we had a we had a similar situation in Ethiopia where well, we got actually got a message from the German embassy who pretty much told us um you should try to leave as early as possible because Germany had at that point just closed the borders for tourism And of course, you could come home, but uh, coming home became more difficult by the minute. They had uh, the—I mean, I I, I managed to snatch a seat on the last Lufthansa flight out of Ethiopia. Um, There were other flights after that for uh, by Ethiopian Airlines, but even that four or five days later, they started canceling flights. So it became uh, more difficult to come
1: home in a normal way, to come home in, in, in the usual way. So, and there's a lot of factors coming together, so countries are shutting down airports or um putting up regulations for for incoming um incoming flights then airlines are reducing their um their their, their flight capacities and cancelling flights just out of the blue and eventually you you have the situations in the airport where um, people are not allowed to board flights because they have the wrong passport. and They need a visa and the country they're transferring through um, does not issue any visas anymore because uh, they don't want to have um, people in the country, not even transferring. And you see that. I was on a flight to from, from my, my journey back home. Actually, was the most interesting journey I've taken so far. It took me from Argentina to Qatar. And the flight to Qatar was one-third occupied. So, in fact, we had, almost everybody had um, three seats for ourselves. And I was just in the middle of the flight going to one of the flight attendants and just asked, is that by purpose because of the virus? And they were just like, no, actually, this flu- uh, flight is overbooked by 6 person. and what? they just not allowed to oh, board pe- the flight. People were just not being able to get there. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. And, um, Crazy times. You, you had that on pretty much every flight. I mean, I've taken a lot of flights in those days and um, not a single plane was crowded. Not a single plane was full. But I know the people standing in the airport are not being able to board a flight. And that's uh, that's also heartbreaking in that moment, if, especially if it's a colleague, um, you know, that they uh, have been on a ship for for months and uh, they just want to go home. And this uncertainty is... is um, probably the, yeah, the, the the trickiest part of that. And we've been in a very luxurious position, so myself and my colleagues. We've had other colleagues um, whose ship got um, denied to enter port um, because they have been just on the peninsula for uh, nine days so they needed to go at anchor for five more days to uh, fulfill that uh, quarantine, 14 days quarantine time. And when you're at anchor, In Ushuaia, you can't do much. So um, I I just can picture the scenes on board, what the the expedition team has to come up with to entertain and uh, keep the guests busy. And they just had a chance to fly out later that month. And and, um, I know that one ship just got refused to um, disembark passengers in Ushuaia. They then tried to go further to Montevideo in Uruguay. And um, some of my colleagues are still on board of one of the ships and sailing to Portugal because they couldn't manage to uh, catch a flight out of Argentina. And uh, the port authority in Ushuaia just denied people to disembark in Ushuaia if you don't have a flight out of Argentina. So you were not allowed to go into a hotel or an Airbnb or an apartment to stay there unless you are a resident of Ushuaia. So they are now on a... Uh, two and a half, three weeks journey to uh, Portugal and um, they just crossed the equator two days ago and they're all well and um, they try to keep themselves occupied but this is what's just happening in in our industry and we have no idea if this industry is picking up again soon So uh,
0: luckily you and I both made it home and uh, we're now uh, locked, locked in in lockdown, pretty much, and uh, at least we can go out shopping, I guess. So there's at least that. But um, we're recording. We're both in a very safe distance from each other right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, so okay, let's let's go back to the polar regions. Um, the the travel, the the expeditions are on hold. Um, How's the cold corner situation in, in in like the the non-travel part of the polar regions?
1: So let's have a look at the two polar regions separately and let's start with the Arctic. Um, the Arctic has a lot of of native people living there, and when you look at those native communities, they are quite scattered, very far distant from each other, um, usually very small communities, not very. Uh, big infrastructure. And when you look at those communities, one thing that um, always sticks out is that there has been long-term issues in certain regions with uh, drinking water quality and with um, with housing, with sewage systems. So we have usually especially in um, in uh, Inuit um, communities. We have overcrowded housing, we have a lack of sewage system, we have um, a lack of usable drinking water. And especially in a crisis like uh, Corona, you figure that washing your hands regularly with soap and water is kind of an essential thing. And if you can't guarantee that, that puts those communities at a much, much higher risk than um, other areas in the world. And this is something that um, came to, to my mind when I started researching for that episode. And I was really surprised about the numbers, the, the current numbers. And I just updated them a few minutes ago. And um, when you look, for example, in uh, northern Canada, in Arctic Canada, you have uh, three big territories. You have um, the northwest territory, Yukon, to the west, and Nunavut to the east. Nunavut managed to have still zero cases. Northwest Territories has only one case, and you can uh, report six cases so far and okay you- and this is this is at the time where the United States has pretty much uh,
0: taken over as the in quotes, leading nation so so we are we are um at relatively low numbers. Why do you think that is?
1: It's very easy. Um, those communities, they all have a health commissioner. And the health commissioner of Nunavut, for example, very early on closed down the territory entirely for non-residents, for for travelers. And uh, residents needed to go into self-isolation um, very, very early on. And other communities followed. And we have a similar development in Alaska. Alaska just reached 143 cases today. But the northernmost part, the less densest uh, populated place, northern slope, has only one case. And that's because the uh, communities there just decided to go further than the statewide restrictions already are. And they just uh, do not let everybody in there. Those... Far remote communities are much easier to control in that way than, let's say, dense populated um, areas like New York City. The reason for that is you have only a very limited amount of um, infrastructure leading into those communities, and you can control those infrastructure spots very easy. You can cancel flights, then you have pretty much no way to get in there except for ships. But you can also control... Um, ship activity of course so that's definitely um, a supporting factor here and
0: and also i think also the then the population density in general i mean we're looking at greenland with i don't know fifty, sixty thousand people so that's not too many people on a pretty big uh, in a pretty big place
1: that's that's true but on the other hand if you uh, look for example the Um, native population in Alaska um, at the Spanish flu where the population density was even lower than it is now had a very big impact and uh, over 90% of the adult Mm. population just died within a week in in Alaska back in the days. And that's a a century ago roughly. So um, you, you see the impact still can be a big one but the the, the way those communities treat and handle the uh, crisis right now, that's definitely a different one. And uh, those so, measures yeah. seem to, um, to to work.
0: Yeah, so the Arctic uh, seems to be doing good and okay
1: at this point. Well, that's, um, a, that's one, one side of the Arctic. We have Greenland with five cases, and um, they already... Um, closed down the country. They have uh, similar resources than Arctic Canada and Alaska. So they actually have those very um, far-scattered communities and they have a possibility to shut down the entire country very easily because the remoteness um, of the uh, the settlements of the communities, which usually causes a problem, plays into, in, in, into favor for um, shutting the... Uh, pandemic the the transport of uh, of the of the virus um, down and that's pretty pretty um good in that way. Alaska with those one hundred and forty three cases is um, sticking out. We have no uh, case recently in Svalbard and Russia is kind of the big black box. The numbers reported <laughs> out of Russia are, very unreal. It's a very low number for a state that's so close to um, Chinese territory, where the origin of that virus um, is. And especially when you see surrounding countries, it's kind of unreal. We we are not really sure how how trustworthy those official numbers are. So far in Siberia and far east Russia. There are only two cases reported, around 700 in total Russia, which is, again, uh, I don't really believe that. That seems not realistic.
0: Okay, so that's the Arctic. How about the Antarctic?
1: Well, the Antarctic is um, a little bit more thankful than the Arctic in that way that we don't have a native population there. We don't have a, a country that runs it, so um, shutting down Antarctica is much easier um, in terms of if you shut down the ports, then tourism to Antarctica is pretty much dead. So bringing people into Antarctica is um, highly unlikely, if not impossible. Um, we, we have um, seen reports of current expeditions going on, research expeditions which are not even able to replace station personnel because um, uh, transferring countries are just shutting down their um, their airports for for those transfers. But so far there is not a single reported case in Antarctica, given the fact that we have around four, thousand scientists working on the continent in several different stations that's uh, a very good good news on the other hand it's also much easier to control again because um you have only two windows where you usually exchange personnel and that also means that currently it's actually an outgoing season that means that people are leaving Antarctica nobody's coming in and that makes it, um, yeah, less on, yeah, much unlikely to to bring in the virus into those research communities there. That's definitely a big, big plus for Antarctica. So
0: us here in Europe and the rest of the world have to be a bit more worried than those areas. Um, do we have any? Yeah. Actually, I don't even want to go into projection territory because no one can really <laughs> project where things are going. Um, but still, do you have any expectations of um, how this will affect the regions over, let's say, the next six months?
1: Well, the, the good thing is that most of the um, of the communities in in the Arctic they have. They have lived most of their life in in isolation. They have lived most of their of their uh, existence in in a way that they were unsupported. and that made might be the strength in a time like this right now when imports are cracking down, when infrastructure can't be used any, any longer. And those capabilities come in very handy in those times. so the the, the self sustained capabilities in those communities is very high. And especially in times when those hunters um, lost their role in society because society developed communities into a different um, future, those hunters now become very important again because they are the ones who are feeding the communities. And that might be the backbone of Arctic communities in uh, in that time.
0: How about uh, tourism? Because the tourism is going to break away from them for months and months. Um, How big is tourism? Uh, How 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 big how big is the part of tourism in their lives and in their income?
1: It's a significant part. When you see communities in 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 Arctic Canada, uh, Canada has uh, reacted very early on in the crisis and uh, just canceled the entire cruise ship season for Arctic Canada. And that's a significant part. When you see, for example, a community like uh, Pont Inlet in um, in Unavut, they have probably gotten out $500,000 from the last season just on fees, on service fees for the harbour. And uh, there are not sales for handicraft, for artists and so uh, and so forth um included. And some some of the some of the plies are also local
0: uh, some of the supplies for the ships are also being locally sourced, right?
1: Indeed. And this is definitely uh, a huge economic impact there. On the other hand, I think that the well-being of the community at that point is much more important. Um especially to people who are so close connected to nature. They just want to make sure that their surroundings and their environment still is in place and in shape. And once everything settles, they can still open up again and start uh, something new. The breakdown of an income there might, however, have um, a similar severe effect than for everybody else out here. Probably even worse because the possibilities of um getting federal support in in uh, yeah let's say in in, in countries like germany or, or the u.s and might be a bit better in place i'm not sure how good the federal support will be in an economic scale in remote communities in arctic canada or even in greenland um or in yeah in Lapland for, for the Sami for example, yeah that's definitely a big question and interesting topic to um, yeah put in focus on.
0: Okay, um, anything else that you think we should touch on, or should we one let people that,
1: off the hook? One thing that actually really um, gives hope is the way. Iceland deals with it right now I was really frustrated how Iceland dealt with it in the beginning because um, they were basically trying to deny the fact of the virus and kept the Hmm. the country open to save their economic backbone which is the uh, tourism industry however that increased the cases to over a thousand by now um, when you have a population of 360,000 people, that's a humongous number. At the same time, the government um, teamed up with a local company called um, Decode, and Decode provided um, COVID-19 test sets. And by that, the government tested um, over 10,000 people in a very, very short amount of time. Again, given the number of three hundred and sixty thousand people living there, this is by far the largest per capita test. Didn't I, I've ever didn't executed. I hear somewhere
0: that that they were even that they were even going to test like almost everyone on the island, or is that, the, is, that is that wrong information?
1: Um, that's nothing I have um, gotten information about yet. But okay. I, I would be surprised. The infrastructure is there, and Iceland, luckily, is. Um, again that's a, a a good thing and a bad thing at the same time is is very closely connected so you easily can travel um, between the um, townships and the, and the villages and the capital area so it shouldn't be that difficult when you have two-thirds of the entire country living in the capital area to at least eliminate the spreading in the capital area very easily by very severe tests and that's pretty amazing factor which i uh, read with a big smile on my face that they were actually able to to execute that so quickly
0: yeah me too um so iceland is is again k- kind of turning into a bit of
1: a research subject for the world i guess very very much and what they found out so far and that's adding on to um recent uh, research about covid19 is that only one out of four positive tested um subjects really um, shows symptoms so we see that three quarter out of every infected number only shows um, symptoms which also means that the the actual spreading of uh, COVID-19 might be much more severe than the numbers we already have on the screen but at the same time that gives hope that it does not seem to develop this um, very severe Um, outcome in a big number of cases. So Iceland here works a little bit like a, yeah, again, like a um, yeah, like Like a petri dish, huh? Yes, exactly. Like a petri dish, like a case study for um, the whole planet again.
0: Okay, on that positive note I think we'll wrap up this episode. Um, Thanks everyone for yeah for listening i mean probably have a bit more time to listen now anyway and we are glad to fill it with new information next week we're uh again going back to ice and uh away from COVID 19 until then again if you feel like if you feel like supporting us and if you have the means to do so um our information how to do that is in the show notes is on the website at curiouslypolar.com Of course, we'll also put this out on Twitter at Curiously Polar or on Instagram at Curiously Polar. And uh, if you have questions, if you have inputs, hey, let us know. These channels are open for you. And we'd love to hear from you. Until next week, thanks for your support and bye-bye.